Thank you, Val. Thank you, children, for coming up. Thanks for helping preach the Word of God. You know, a scavenger hunt in the church is uh, quite an interesting idea. There are lots of things we could find uh, in this church and many churches that point to Christ. Uh, So three of them we found. Many more are still out there, I suspect. Uh, But the main piece, of course, now is God's Word. Uh, And you don't have to search for this. It has come right to you. Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter preaches this in our second reading, and now I share that with you. You who have disobeyed the word, like Israel, you are now gathered together in mercy by the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. So here in the forgiveness of Christ is the spiritual milk which you long for. Your sins are forgiven. And so now you are a royal priesthood. You are priests now, made royal by the king himself, by Jesus Christ. Amen. We hear this week from John 14, this perfect promise from the lips of Christ himself. A reading, at least part of it, that's often heard uh, in funerals, and for good reason, it is a word of great hope. Jesus is with the disciples here in John 14. And if you had read a few verses earlier in the 13th chapter, you'd see that Jesus is telling them about his departure, that he won't be with them, uh, at least not in that way, uh, for much longer. And this worries the disciples. As you can imagine, anytime you hear news of someone's leaving or death, there is grief and sorrow, no matter what the timeline might be. This is true for the disciples. And so Peter right before chapter 14, asks Jesus where he's going because he wants to go with. He does not want to separate from Jesus. And Jesus, to this very generous offer, at least it sounds like, uh, Jesus says, Peter, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. So beyond just the news of Jesus' departure, Jesus has just told Peter and really all of the disciples that they will disown him, they will deny him, and forsake him, their friend and their teacher. And it, it's into this setting that Jesus shares these familiar words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Here Jesus is acknowledging that life in this old world full of our sin is not always great. It's not always joyful. It doesn't always feel victorious But we go up and down, some days good, some days bad. Some days you get out of bed and wonder, what will come of me this day? Jesus is acknowledging this, but he gives his word to the disciples. Feelings can be many and various, but underneath the feeling of fear or being troubled is a lack of trust that God has this taken care of for you. And the only thing that can bring faith in a moment like this for the disciples, or perhaps for you, is a word from God. This was the case for the disciples in this moment, and Jesus' word for them was, do not let your hearts be troubled. Of course, you may hear this phrase and think, well, it's not like you let your heart be troubled. We feel what we feel, right? And what can change that? Well, the word of Christ can. And only the good news of Christ now, the forgiveness of your sins, can make a reality which does not depend on what you feel, 
And that is what Christ now brings to you. So Jesus continues giving his promise to these disciples who are still afraid. He says, in my Father's house there are many dwelling places, many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. It's not just for some, but I'm preparing a place for you there. That's nice. But we need to hear Christ's word multiple times, and so he continues with the disciples who are still afraid. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Now Jesus does not just leave you with a map, though we have a map. <laughs> he doesn't just leave you with that or even a map and a compass. Some days that might sound like a rather exciting and tempting adventure. Some days it might sound rather scary, depending on how well you work with a compass. But you and I, no matter how well you work with a compass, invariably get lost. Probably every day. We get lost in our own feelings, in our own desires to make a kingdom fashioned on what we think is right rather than on Christ. And to this, Jesus says that he does not just leave this trip to your own devices, but he will come back and take you to his mansion, to the mansion of the Father. But in the meantime, we do forget this. And good old Thomas is right there with us, map in hand and confused look on face. Thomas pipes up to Jesus, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus teaches Thomas, and now you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Last week, Jesus said, I am the gate. This week, he expands on this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, there are lots of claims out there to be the way, the truth, and the life for you, for us. For weeks now, as I've lived in Sioux Falls and turned left on Minnesota as I'm leaving First Lutheran, I drive by one of, one of the neighboring banks and it has an ad that I notice uh, regularly encouraging me to start living life. And it's got a picture of this uh, a young woman and uh, this phrase, start living life. Uh, and I, propose, I suspect that this is not what Jesus is proposing, but I suspect they are proposing that I get alone and start living life. This is how it works after all, right? But this is not what Jesus is proposing. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. But what Jesus has is actually better than this. Uh, he's not lending. He's giving. Uh, he is not proposing a philosophy of fulfillment, a method to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Though there are many of those philosophies out there. He's not suggesting that you go chasing your feelings to become the best you. Though that may sound appealing too. Here Jesus instead is putting an end to all of these things as your peace. And instead he's giving himself to you as the way, the truth, and the life. And so while this is the best news you could ever receive, it may at first come a bit bittersweet. <laughs> because it means that whatever you value most about yourself or your life or this world outside of Christ it means that these things will not be your eternal peace. They may be passing pleasures or gifts. They may be things you can give thanks for today. But now Jesus makes clear that he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through him.
But when you know this, you know the Father. And that, by the way, is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So here we get a great teaching on the Holy Trinity, not as a doctrine to understand, but as the comfort of Christ, who is with the Father and the Holy Spirit, always bringing you to faith, preparing a place for you in eternity, and then coming to get you, to bring you there. And while we have heard from Peter and Thomas already, it is James who has a few questions next. He says to Jesus, just show us the Father, and we, then we will be satisfied. Jesus, exasperated, says, have you not been listening? I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Where Jesus is, there is salvation. Nothing more is needed. But isn't James' question just like a sinner, just like you and me, who Christ has freed in one minute, and in the next we go looking for our next bondage? We get stuck in the thicket the very next day. This is, of course, why we gather at least once a week to hear this word, to receive the sacraments. And here you have your pure spiritual milk that Peter was talking about. It's funny, uh, as our kids, our little kids have grown up, our Josiah will ask me sometimes, Papa, why do you and Mama like Mountain Dew so much? Now, it's a little embarrassing to admit this. I suppose that by my mid-40s, I should grow out of this a teenage drink. Uh, and I have uh, toned it down a little bit, I will admit, uh, but not completely. And Josiah notices this. He's never had Mountain Dew, um, which is good, I think. But he uh, has taken a liking to bubbly, so he loves to open his can of bubbly and carries it around the house. There's just something about opening a can of whatever it is that you like to drink, and that first sip, it tastes good. You might have your own favorite drink. It could be coffee or water or chocolate milk or something else. But now I want you to know, in Christ, you have pure spiritual milk, which is better than Mountain Dew or anything else that you might drink. Our psalmist says, In you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. Never let me be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe. For you are my crag and my stronghold. For the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. Now, no matter what is on your mind this day, no matter what is on your heart, whether it is joy or whether it's weighing you down, now you have a Savior who is your strong rock, who is your castle to keep you safe. He has a place for you in this castle, and he makes you now a royal priesthood. He does not wait for you to find him there, but he has come to you now to take you to himself, and along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, here in this mansion, and even right now as you hear this word, here is the pure spiritual milk, so that you may be drawn into salvation your sins are forgiven for Christ's sake, and so you are pure and royal. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Shortly, we will do just that. Amen.